Jesus, Lord, um, you, you've been so good. You've been so good, um, especially this past week. And we want to testify this morning about your goodness, about your victories. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us strength to do so. Um, please, with the words that we have to bring, honor you um, appropriately. Um, please uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit and anoint us for this task. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so I, I'm going to share this time this morning. We're going to have a testimony Sunday. Um, because last weekend, uh, five men from Incarnation joined a team of about 20 others from lots of different churches all over town. Um, and we went into Wakala Correctional Institution to serve on their Kairos weekend. Um, so um, I'm part of a missional community in this church called Unshackled, and uh, it's all about prison ministry, and our main mission focus of our missional community was this Kairos weekend that we just did. Um, so this morning we want to bring you a report about how it went and how the Lord used us. Um, so first I want to try to set the scene for you a little bit about what Kairos is and what it's like, because uh, even though I went to lots of planning meetings, before I did the weekend, I really had no idea what it was going to be like. And I imagine that many of you here have never been inside a prison before uh, or done this kind of ministry. Um, so what Kairos does uh, is it takes a team of Christian men into a prison for four days in a row, like a long weekend, a Thursday through a Sunday. Um, and we don't stay there overnight in the prison. We just visit during the day. Uh, and we start on Thursday, which is just a half day. We just go in from noon until four um, and then uh, Friday through Sunday are full eight-hour days. We get in about um, eight o'clock in the morning and stay till four. Um, so in total, we get about 36 hours uh, in the prison in one weekend. Um, and we spend that whole time with 42 of the inmates there, um, men who signed up to participate uh, in the weekend. And for all of those 42 guys, it's their first time that they've ever done it. Uh, you never do Kairos twice uh, in prison, um, and it's so popular with Wakala that there's a long waiting list. Um, some of the guys there have been waiting, well, one guy has been waiting 14 years to do this Kairos weekend. Most of them have been on the list for at least two years. Um, so the whole group of leaders and the whole group of inmates stays together as one big group for the whole time we're together. Uh, so that's about 70 minutes, and at Wakala they give us um, two rooms to meet in, and the total area of those two rooms is about the size of this room. Um, so imagine this space where uh, half of it is laid out as a chapel with wooden pews, and then the other half is laid out as a fellowship hall with chairs around circular tables. Uh, and while we're together, we spend our whole time as one big group moving back and forth between the two meeting spaces. Um, and what we do over the time is we work our way through the Kairos material, um, which is like a course. It's the same every time. And it's basically a series of short talks that work their way through the gospel. deals with uh, the reality of sin, the life and death of Jesus, the love of God, uh, the new reality of forgiveness, what it means to live in community. Um, so it's a whole bunch of little talks that build on each other. Um, and the talks are given by all the different members of the team. So pretty much everybody gets a chance to give at least one of the talks. And between each talk, there's space made for um, conversation, discussion, prayer, songs, and creative response. So it's all very simple, um, but the result never ceases to be amazing, as you're going to hear. 
Um, so on, on last uh, Wednesday's prayer meeting, so we have a weekly prayer meeting at noon right here, um, and it was the prayer meeting before our Kairos weekend, um, and uh, the Lord laid it on my heart uh, for our, our gathering to pray out of Isaiah chapter 61. He wanted that to be um, the theme passage for our prayer. Um, and that's the passage that says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Mm -hmm. So that was the passage the Lord laid on my heart um, to pray about last Wednesday. Uh, Then we went into prison, and then amazingly, this week, when we were already scheduled to give this report, the assigned gospel reading for today was Luke chapter 4, where Jesus reads that very passage in the synagogue in Nazareth. So I think the Lord's trying to tell us something. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to, uh, as, we, as we reflect on our experience, we're going to um, center it around um, that passage in Luke 4, where Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61. So you can turn up there now, page 860 in the Church Bibles, Luke chapter 4. Um, so in Luke chapter 4, Jesus visits his hometown, Nazareth, and he's in, uh, he goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he's invited to read from the scripture. He's handed Isaiah the prophet, and then from Isaiah he chooses the passage that he's going to read that day, um, and he chooses Isaiah chapter 61. So Jesus reads, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Um, And after he's read, he sits down to teach. So rabbis would teach sitting down. Uh, So Jesus sat down and all all eyes were fixed on him. Um, And his sermon, as much as we get of it um, from this passage in Luke chapter 4, is in verse 21. Jesus' sermon was, Today, uh, this message is fulfilled in your hearing. Right? Um, and, uh, And what we want to do today... Uh, is basically bring that very same message to you, uh, to say this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Aaron's going to bring our first testimony. Um, in Luke 4, we see that Jesus began his ministry in the power of the Spirit. So look at verse 14, where we started reading. Verse 14 says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Uh, And then again, the first part of Isaiah that he quotes in verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So we see that the mission of God is always powered by the Holy Spirit. And Aaron's going to bring us a word about our experience of that power. Morning. Morning. Um, So in the days leading up to this Kairos weekend, a lot of us felt that there were um, some obstacles coming against this Kairos team in particular. Um, Kairos has been running for over 20 years or so at Wakulla, uh, but this time around we ran into a lot of unusual problems. And one of our biggest setbacks this year was not being allowed to not being allowed to bring food in. Um, usually, <laughs> usually we fill the guys with sweets and snacks and good coffee to show them some love and give them a little bit of a taste of home. Uh, for a lot of the men, they've been eating prison food for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, so it's nice to have something that tastes normal. Um, but this time around, we had to stand up and tell them, uh, our leader, Daniel Holiday, had to stand up and tell them that there wouldn't be any outside food being brought in. So everyone was a little more mellow than usual. You could actually feel the disappointment in the room. One of the men at my table was so distraught, he admitted to me that he was really looking forward to what he called a taste of the outside. Uh, and he let me know about it every day <laughs> of the Kairos weekend. Um, 
But the Lord wasn't defeated, and he still had plans for our time. Uh, a few of the men, uh, every, every Kairos, we introduce ourselves at the beginning, and uh, the men get to say why they came. And a few of the men said, uh, you know, we came for the food, but uh, we're gonna, we know we're going to be spiritually fed, which is a nice thing to say, but it's kind of hard to believe that someone who hasn't eaten pizza in 20 years uh, is there just for the spiritual food. <laughs> um, it was kind, but you could tell they really didn't mean it. Uh, but by the end of the weekend, I really believe that they did. It was amazing to hear about some of the encounters that these men had with Jesus. They felt fed anyway, and I learned that the gospel, I think we all learned that the gospel, is so good that it doesn't need any help. Mm. Come on. But by the end of the weekend, every man, every, every man in the room was worshiping, and everyone forgot about not having food. So personally for me, I actually prefer not having food now because it makes it so clear that the Spirit of God is everything that you need. Thanks, Aaron. Okay, so Luke makes it clear that Jesus' ministry was fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and look back at Luke chapter to 4 and find the first part of Isaiah that Jesus read there. Um, the first thing he talks about is being anointed, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. So the next thing we're going to think about is this idea of being anointed. Matthias is going to testify in a minute about his experience of being anointed for the mission of God. Um, but first I want to explain a little bit about how anointing worked uh, in the Old Testament because it was something that was very familiar to people back then and we, we don't do it anymore so we might not know what it means. Um, so to anoint something just means to smear it with oil, right? <laughs> what a weird thing to do. Uh, they smeared things with olive oil. Um, and we see a lot of anointing happening in the law of Moses. God commands it. So Moses was commanded to blend up a special oil. It was uh, oil and, and perfume and spices uh, according to God's own recipe that was going to be used as an anointing oil. Um, and then Moses used it to consecrate every part of the tabernacle. Uh, and he also used it to ordain Aaron and the other priests. So they had to be anointed. They had to be consecrated with the special <clears throat> oil before they could serve. Um, so what we see from the law is that what's going on in this idea of smearing something with oil is to make it pure for a purpose. Okay, make it pure for a purpose. Uh, <coughs> anointing, <coughs> excuse me, anointing sets something apart for God's own use. So that's the first idea. Um, the second idea about anointing is that later on in Israel's history, we see that the process of anointing was also used for kings. So the prophet Samuel anointed Israel's first king, who was Saul, and he did it at God's instruction. And after that happened, David, ever after, referred to Saul as the Lord's anointed. You see that all through uh, Samuel. Um, he calls Saul the Lord's anointed. Shall I lay my hand against the Lord's anointed? And in Hebrew, that's the Lord's Mashiach. Um, and that's uh, the Hebrew word where we get our word Messiah. Um, so uh, to see what they meant by this practice of anointing their leaders, it might be helpful to know uh, what the practice was in Egypt. Because Israel had spent 400 years living in Egypt. Um, and in Egypt, there was a lot of anointing going on as well. So Pharaoh himself was not anointed. Um, but he anointed all of his other officials. So Pharaoh did the anointing. So there might be this idea uh, that in, in Egypt, Pharaoh was not subordinate to anybody, but in Israel, all the kings are still subordinate to the Lord. Um, 
So another thing that happened in Egypt was that business partners would seal a deal by anointing each other with oil. <laughs> I'm glad we got rid of that practice. <laughs> um, and uh, a third thing they did was that in a wedding ceremony, they would anoint the bride and groom in the wedding ceremony. Um, so uh, what we might find is that uh, this idea of anointing also carries a contract sort of idea or a covenant, uh, a, a binding promise between people. Um, and I think that idea might also be present in Israel's practice of anointing its kings. So when Jesus stands up and says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me, he means that the spirit has solemnly charged and contracted with him to set him apart for God's special purpose. All right, so now Matthias is going to share about his own sense of anointing. Howdy. Um, in the Kairos weekend, we have been talking about having a table specifically for our Spanish-speaking brothers. Um, so that was exciting, and Aaron and I were going to be able to be a part of that table because we can both speak Spanish. But I was a little worried going in, uh, just a little nervous of you know using uh, that language. But in Thursday, when we were going through introductions, we were going from person to person. It got close to me, and I saw... Uh, two men that looked and sounded exactly like my uncles. Um, I was like, oh my goodness. Um, And they were Puerto Rican. And so when I was able to introduce myself, I was able to say, I'm Matias, I'm from Puerto Rico as well, and I me llamo Matias, y vivía en Puerto Rico también. Um, It was just really special. Um, And when we were at the table, I could see that the Lord had me to be with these men who could have easily been a part of my family. Um, and we were able to talk about the lessons, and a lot of it ended up being, you know, sort of translation of what the speaker was saying. But we all sort of worked together and got to it at the end. But um, the Lord worked in a powerful way to show that, you know, God and Jesus was not only there for the English speakers in the room, but also for our Latin brothers. But um, so that was a uh, special anointing. Wow. So we all had a strong sense last weekend of the Lord's anointing upon us. And uh, it was for the same purpose as Jesus, right? To proclaim good news to the poor. Um, And we got to spend a weekend uh, telling these guys the good news of God's love. Um, We we told them about his offer of forgiveness through Jesus and his promise of eternal life. Um, But there was one aspect of the good news that was especially striking to Scott Um, because of the deep impact that it had on several of the inside guys. So Scott's going to share now how the gospel is good news for our loneliness. Good morning. Morning. Uh, So yeah, I felt God was truly victorious over the weekend against loneliness. So from the moment I arrived and had a chance to meet some of the guys on the inside, uh, something that became a reoccurring theme, um, just in talking to them and hearing a little bit about them in conversation. Uh, that many of them, despite their efforts to be faithful and disciplined in praying, reading, or meditating, they oftentimes felt alone. Uh, for example, one of the guys stood up to introduce himself uh, and shared that he was an only child. Uh, he had never married. Both of his parents were dead, and so as far as he knew, he was alone. He didn't have any family in the world. Wow. Uh, another shared uh, that he had been in prison for 40 years, and lots of his 
family had died over that time. So even though there were 40-some-odd guys, uh, many of which who would have said they were seeking community and fellowship, felt very alone in their walk, perhaps a little alienated and just haven't been able to find it within their circumstances. Uh, now, part of the reason why I feel they probably felt this way is like, well, they're incarcerated, um, uh, separated from their families, and isolated from most of the outside world. But also because uh, despite their efforts, these men were starved for community. And even though there was at least 40-some-odd men there that weekend, um, you would think, uh, well, hey, why don't they just get together in their free time and have this community? Uh, well, most of their time is controlled. Uh, there's always an underlying fear or mistrust of those around them, inmates and guards alike, and most of them don't share this same dorm. Um, so they really don't have a community of believers amongst themselves when they're uh, in their dorms. Uh, where they seem to spend the majority of their time. Now, I've never been in prison, uh, but I can test to what it feels like to feel alone. And uh, when I came to incarnation, uh, I alone, feeling alone, or in, like without a community. And so, uh, and then what it feels like the joy of what it feels like to have a community, and I can attest to that because that's what I felt like when I came to Incarnation and I became part of this community. Um, so on Saturday, some of the guys had an opportunity to stand up and share what the weekend meant to them. And despite not having the yummy food that they were, most of them were really hoping for, uh, and despite um, the one guy who said that he didn't have any family, and had never married, uh, or the guy had been in for 40 years, uh, many of them said that it was the best weekend of their lives. And so to me that was just them being able to experience the weekend in community and that relieving their loneliness. Yeah. Um, such a big part of this weekend um, was about the message of forgiveness. Um, so when I when I went in, I guess this is uh, a little uncharitable of me, but when I went in, um, I figured that delivering to them the message that they could be forgiven would be the heart of um, the gospel we could bring. Um, what I didn't realize <clears throat> was just how many people these men needed to forgive. Uh, it's obvious when you think about it. Um, but um, that for them, um, they had a, a long list of people that had badly wronged them. Um, a lot of them were, were inside because of um, something that somebody had done to them. Um, and, uh, and so they, they, they desperately needed to forgive. And so when we talk about liberty to the captives, we of course brought them a message that in Christ, um, they, they would be set free in the fullest of time, um, and that their eternity would be, would be physically free. 
Um, but we also had a message to bring of the freedom they could enjoy right now, this day, uh, through this precious gift of forgiveness. So the Saturday was all about forgiveness. Um, and what we did is uh, we gave them a, a credit card sized piece of paper that was water soluble. Um, and we invited them to write on this piece of paper the names of um, anybody they needed to forgive. And we gave them all day to do this. Um, gave it to them first thing in the morning and then they had uh, several hours to think about it and prepare. And then at the end of the Saturday, we had a special service um, where we dedicated um, all of these people to the Lord. We prayed for them. Uh, we asked for the Lord for the strength to forgive them. Um, and, um, and we had two bowls of water at the front of the church and these men came up and took their pieces of paper and they put the paper in the bowl and the paper dissolved and those names dissolved and we prayed that with with that dissolving um, the the unforgiveness would dissolve too um, and, and the bitterness and the hatred um, and the level of freedom which we saw coming out of this was was really remarkable um, so we did get to um, proclaim uh, freedom to the captives um, the uh, the forgiveness talk was was given by our brother John Perry. Um, so I wanted him to share testimony about um, uh, forgiveness. But he's been sick a week, poor guy. Um, but you should know that he was a part of our team too. Um, I want to share just one more story from, from me, which was, um, as we went into um, this ministry, we were encouraged to write a personal letter to each participant in the course. Uh, so we wrote the letters before we'd met any of them and before we even knew their names. Um, so we would write a, a short letter that said, Dear Brother in Christ, um, and then you'd have to, to write something to encourage somebody who you hadn't met. Um, so we were encouraged uh, that you weren't, you weren't supposed to write the same thing every time. Uh, in fact, don't do that because they'll compare it. And if you write the same thing every time, it would just be obvious how disingenuous <laughs> that is. Um, so what we did is uh, we prayed to the Lord, what does this man need to hear? Um, and wrote the letter. And uh, so I did this, and I was really amazed. Every time I sat down to write the letter, within like 10 seconds, I knew what that person needed. I had a clear sense um, that I needed to write this thing. So, so then I got the list of names, and I took my bunch of letters, and I shuffled them like a pack of playing cards, um, and I wrote the names on the, um, on the, on the envelopes. Um, and I was like, there's no human way that these letters will get where they're supposed to go. It has to be God, right? Um, but I did have a strong sense that, um, uh, that he was in the whole process. Uh, so we gave the letters out on Saturday. Um, the, the participants had a, about half an hour to read through their letters. Uh, and a couple of hours later, um, one of the men who was the librarian of the prison uh, came up to me and said, thank you for your letter. Um, the thing that I've been wrestling with the whole time was a sense of uh, self-worth. Um, and I've just really struggled with a sense of my own value. And I was talking with the guys at my table in the morning about it um, and uh, really struggling to feel like I had any value in the sight of God. And I opened your letter, and the first line of the letter that he got from me was, you're worth more than you think. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, that's the only letter that said that. Um, and... Uh, and so I was just amazed at the Lord's sovereignty uh, in guiding that message to the right place. Um, so I hope that our experience reinforces for you three simple things this morning. The first thing is that Jesus is still very much at work doing the same things that he was anointed to do 
2,000 years ago. So he's still proclaiming good news to the poor and opening blind eyes and setting the captives free. The Spirit anointed him to do it and contracted with him and set him apart for the work, and his contract hasn't expired. Um, Jesus is still on that case. He's doing the same thing. Um, And so we say to you that today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, Second, uh, because we're united with Jesus in his death and resurrection, it means that this same anointing has fallen on us too, right? So the spirit of the Lord is upon us to proclaim good news to the poor and open blind eyes and set captives free. That's a huge thing to say. That's a huge honor. Uh, And it's a very grand thing to say about ourselves. We're not bragging. We're not boasting. It's what the Bible says is true of us. So we're not the Messiah, but we do belong to the Messiah. We're branches of his vine. We're united with him in our baptism. And so we share his anointing. So what Matthias discovered is what we'll all discover, that when we step forward to join Jesus in this work, we'll find that we have an anointing for it too. And the third thing that I hope you'll see in our story is that following Jesus into his mission is fun. It's wonderful. It fills our lives with purpose and joy. We discover in this kind of work that we have such a lot. The good news we've been given is just so good. It's a story that can make the gloomiest and most dejected person smile. A hardened criminal will stand up and tell you it's the best weekend of his life because he got to hear this message, right? This news can shine a light into the very darkest hole and even the most ruined life can have dignity and hope. It's just wonderful news. I think we get used to the idea that as we share this news, people just don't want to hear it. Um, they, they, they want to reject it. They don't want to listen. They think it, they treat it as bad news. So like the, the sense of going in and saying the same message and having it be received as great news was so deeply refreshing to my soul. Um, these guys wanted it. They wanted to hear it again. Um, they wanted us to explain it to them and explain it again. Uh, they were just so hungry for the gospel word. Um, and we learned again that it was just wonderful news. So we find that when we give our treasure away, it's then that we discover what that treasure is really worth. Um, and that's exactly what Paul said would happen in Philemon verse 6. So Paul wrote, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And that perfectly describes our experience that we had at this Kairos weekend. And uh, our prayer for you all is that you would get to share this experience this year. Amen. 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 Amen.